This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are previewing week 12 of the NFL Slate 2020 Thanksgiving week. Uh, Also, the next to last uh, week of our regular season. But if you would like to contact the show, have a question for us, anything that's going on in your fantasy league, your world, uh, please email us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. All right, let's get into our Week 12 preview. We've got a lot of stuff packed into a very tight window of space for this episode. What has you excited for this week, my friend? Um, I feel like there's a couple of really good games that are going on today, or going on this week. Washington and Dallas, that's always a fun one to watch. And then the other one that I'm actually looking forward to a lot is Carolina um, and Minnesota. I think that's going to be a really good game. I think there are a lot better games than people give credit for, and a lot of them have fantasy implications more than anything else. I would not be interested in watching Texans at Lions or Washington at the Cowboys on Thursday uh, if it weren't for people like Terry McLaurin, uh, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Swift. And these guys that are constantly coming up in our weekly conversations that we've been having on here, I'm just excited to see them all out in the field. And with the increase in scoring that we've had this year, I'm looking forward to having a lot more on this Thanksgiving, hopefully leading to better lineups and people just having these really breakout games or um, I guess your lineups being reflective of the scoring uptick. Um, it's always more fun when guys are producing points and it's going back and forth and there's that kind of horse race aspect. And so it's much better when everybody's uh, scoring and producing, and that's what I'm hoping for this week. We've got quite a few different um, really even matchups as far as I'm concerned that have a lot of these uh, fantasy implications, let's say. All right, so let's get into our first game. I already mentioned it. Uh, We only have two Thursday games. We'll get to that in a second. But Texans at Lions, David Johnson is still on IR. Kenny Galladay is likely out for this game, unfortunate as it may be. But they are likely to get DeAndre Swift back. The over-under on this game is 51.5. I think it could go over. What do you think? Oh, I'm taking the under, mainly because... Thursday night games are a little bit or Thursday games are a little bit sloppier than others, especially with these two offenses. I don't have a huge amount of faith in it. I'd take the under. The Lions always come out and make this their Super Bowl because they haven't been near a Super Bowl as long as I've been alive and probably since my dad has been alive. So there's always this temptation, especially with how much of an egg they produced on Sunday against Carolina, that they're going to come out gangbusters. And neither of these teams has a good defense. Both of them have offensive capability. I think it has the potential to be a shootout. DeAndre Swift, 
Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson. Those are the three guys that I would say most people have in their lineups for this game. But is there anybody else that you would possibly consider starting or is maybe a, a guy that people haven't thought of to insert into their lineup for Thursday? A guy I feel that you left out is TJ Hawkinson. I think that he's moved his way into the top five in dynasty tight ends for sure. You could even say he's flirting up there with the top three just because of his age and the potential that he has. I think another guy that has also been taking advantage of uh, Kenny Galladay being out is Marvin Jones Jr., Um, He was very, very good a couple of years ago when Kenny Galladay was moving up, but we obviously saw the passing of the torch. But over the last four weeks, Marvin Jones has had four touchdowns. Uh, He's been getting a decent amount of targets. He just has to turn those targets more into a better outcome. I mean, for example, week eight, he had seven targets, only three catches, though, but he had two touchdowns off of those three grabs. But then week nine, he had four targets three catches 43 yards but still a touchdown off of that so he just needs to keep producing he's a little touchdown dependent but with Kenny Galladay out I think that he's your guy uh, as a Lions wide receiver I would definitely agree with Hawkinson Uh, it's kind of an oversight by me as far as that goes there are two other names that I think I'm going to mention though Uh, a guy that had a really good game on Sunday is the other tight end on the other team and that would be Jordan Aikens He had a high share of targets, and the Texans are really having to throw the ball a lot more, especially with David Johnson being out. And another beneficiary of an increased target share, a guy that's been really working in as the season has gone along, is Brandon Cooks. He's another guy I might consider because, again, I think that the Texans are probably going to be throwing the ball a lot since they can't really run the football right now. And Duke Johnson is just not going to be a a heavy workload guy as far as running the football. So it's really the Deshaun Watson show. And as such, I would expect high target shares for most of their pass catchers. The one guy that is kind of the odd man out is Randall Cobb, who you're basically relying on getting into the end zone right now. But long shot, maybe Jordan Aikens, I would say Brandon Cooks is maybe in uh, flex consideration at best. All right, let's go to the afternoon game, though, the other Thanksgiving game. Washington at the Cowboys. Terry McLaurin was held out on Monday. He was limited on Tuesday. The word I'm getting from most people is, is if you have any injury concerns going into these Thanksgiving games, most of these guys are going to be tepidly practicing at best. And it's more likely that they're being precautious so that they can go on Thursday more than uh, if they have an actual problem. So I would expect McLaurin to go. Most of the players for these teams that we expect to be out there are healthy. Obviously, people like Dak Prescott are are long gone and other guys that are on season-ending IR or whatever. But the guys that we figure to be ready for this game all seem to be practicing in full go. So these are two backfields that have produced, and in the last couple of weeks, we've had a little bit of splits in both of these. The Cowboys' backfield seemed for a while to be Ezekiel Elliott only. The last couple of weeks, uh, Tony Pollard has really kind of uh, put his money on the table a little bit, and we're getting definite usage RB1 territory over the last three or four weeks out of the Washington backfield from both J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson. I guess that's a little bit more dependent on if you're playing full point PPR because of McKissick's passing down work. 
where he's not really a running back, but he is a guy that's definitely used in the passing game for Washington. So given that Elliott kind of popped back against the Vikings on Sunday, Tony Pollard also had a decent game in that one. And the fact that McKissick and Gibson have been producing, which of these backfields do you think is going to be the higher scoring one fantasy wise? I think as the combination, I would take Washington, and it's exactly for what you said earlier. Um, they really work well together. They have a nice little rhythm that both of them have that they feed off of each other, and they're very, very happy when the other one does well. Um, but for that team to be successful, they both need to be doing their thing. With Dallas, I mean, yes, Tony Pollard has been getting a little bit more work, but his production has come from very long runs, I think in the last two weeks, he's had pretty decently long touchdown runs. So I just, I would, uh, for me, it's much easier to bank on Washington for the combined points than it is for Dallas still at this point. I would absolutely agree with everything that you made. I'll even add this one point though. Washington is a harder matchup for running backs right now than Dallas has been for the entirety of the year. So you add in the fact that you're on an even playing field, you would probably say the Washington backfield, but then they also have the better matchup. That's where my money would be at for this game. And frankly, I'd be starting both McKissick and Gibson in some form if I could. Gibson probably RB2 territory, McKissick probably flex. Um, and especially if you have multiple flex positions in your league. Now, originally the Ravens at Steelers was scheduled for Thursday. We got word today about midday that because of COVID issues, uh, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram uh, tested positive. I know that they had several staff members and some uh, other issues that moved back. That game is now moved to Sunday, minimally. I don't know at what time yet, so I, I haven't seen that. I would guess it's going to be probably noon Worst case is probably flexed into the afternoon game because, I mean, these are two national brands. This has always been a heavy rivalry. There's interest surrounding this game. The question I guess I would have, well, let me take you through the rest of the injuries too. Juju Smith-Schuster's had kind of a toe issue going through practice this week. Ben has had a uh, quad issue that has limited both of them this week. Mark Andrews has been limited in practice with a thigh. Now, We'll see how that continues now that the game has been moved and whether practice schedules kind of revert a little bit differently. Because this was on Thursday, the limited nature of their practice schedules may have just been because the game was on Thursday. I would expect all three of those guys to probably practice and be ready to go for Sunday, though. So we're in a kind of difficult backfield situation. One of the heavy pickups on waivers this week has been Gus Edwards because of Dobbins and Ingram being out with COVID and likely not being back for Sunday's game. James Conner has kind of fallen off in his production value pretty much since that Ravens game about three, four weeks ago, I think. And his passing game work has steadily decreased. The amount of times that Ben is throwing the ball and Specifically, they've had three really good receivers that have been getting the job done has increased. I guess with Connor going down and Edwards kind of coming up, where do you see the value for these two guys that have been, well, at least Connor has been a stalwart in most people's lineups going right along. Edwards is kind of the new guy. Who would you expect to have the bigger game in this one? I, you're taking all my answers for me, but it's it's nice. You're making my job a little bit easier, but... 
for me, it's Edwards. Uh, it's Edwards, one, because Baltimore needs to run the ball to be successful. Pittsburgh, they don't need to. Being able to run the ball is kind of a luxury for them because they have Big Ben and they have those three deadly weapons on the outside. With Baltimore, they need the run to be able to facilitate the pass. They're a big play-action team, and running the ball with a running back also opens up more stuff for Lamar Jackson as well with the um, option stuff that they like to pull off. So I think for this question, it's pretty easy in my mind that the bigger game needs to come from Gus Edwards. Now, if it happens or not, I don't know, but I just think Baltimore, they're going to put an emphasis more on the running game than Pittsburgh does. If Pittsburgh, if it's not working for them, yeah, they would like to make it happen, but it's not the end of the world for them. I'll add a small caveat that Gus Edwards has actually been productive when they've been giving him carries because he's just a straight ahead runner. And I think the Ravens actually are benefited a little bit by the advantage they get from having a straight ahead runner like that, where they're going to be running a few more read options that um, possibly might be working out that much better uh, being more direct than they have been most of the season running behind kind of a um, makeshift offensive line uh, given some of their injuries on that line and the fact that uh, Mark Ingram has been kind of a, a shaky start at best. He's lost some of his bursts. So I think Edwards has the possibility to really go off in this game, even though he's going against that vaunted Pittsburgh front seven. I think running straight at them is a necessity, and I would agree that he needs to have the bigger game for Baltimore to come out of this one possibly with a win. So with that being said, the Steelers are undefeated. The Ravens have kind of taken a step back from their 14-2 and season last year, to say the least. But this is one of two games that most people have picked as a possibility for the Steelers to get knocked off before they go undefeated in the regular season. Do we see the Ravens knock off the Steelers on Sunday? You know, I'd feel much better if they weren't having all the COVID issues that they're going through right now. They have a lot of guys on COVID and not being able to practice all week long. These are two heavyweight teams that like to go at each other um, very physically. Like these games are a lot of fun to watch because they're hard hitting and they're hard nosed football games. But this one, I really don't think Baltimore has a chance just because of the COVID situation that they're dealing with. If it wasn't, I'd feel really good about it. I'd feel really good about them going into Pittsburgh and getting a win. I actually thought the Ravens outplayed them a couple of weeks ago, but the Ravens have really gone down since then. They obviously lost that game in New England that was kind of inexplicable. Then they lost in overtime at home against Tennessee last week in a kind of, again, inexplicable way, just really letting uh, Tennessee get right back into the game. And so... I would have said that Baltimore has a really good shot. They're one of two teams that I think that has the potential to knock off Pittsburgh before they go undefeated. But I would say if I'm placing odds on which one uh, I predict to do it, I would guess I think that's week either 15 or 16 is the more likely case at the moment with how they're playing. So that's an easy segue right now into our next game. Titans at the Colts. Uh, again, this was one we played a couple of weeks ago on Thursday night. If you remember, there were some special teams plays that really flipped the game on its head. This was kind of close for most of the first half, but much like they did on Sunday against the Packers, the Colts in the second half really shut down the Titans 
specifically in special teams and on defense. Philip Rivers came out of this last week a little bit gimpy, but it, he is expected to go. The Colts won this one two weeks ago, as we said, but this may be a, a different situation. Ultimately, we have two receivers that are kind of on the up and up. One who has, if you're playing in PPR formats, has only had one game this year that he played. Uh, he did have COVID for a couple of weeks with 11 or less than 11 points scored, Corey Davis, versus kind of one of the new, I guess, fantasy expert hot guys, uh, Michael Pittman. I guess who would you expect, given that we've talked about both of these guys a lot, these are guys near and dear to your heart in one way or another. Who do you expect to have the bigger game? I'm going to go with Michael Pittman. Um, not just because he's near, not because he's just near and dear to my heart, just because he matters more to that offense. AJ Brown is the guy in Tennessee. Like he is the number one wide receiver. Um, he has been a little inconsistent, like he'll have big weeks and then he'll have a decently down week, but he's still their main option and he's still the defense's number one guy on the scouting report. So I just think it's Michael Pittman just because the Indianapolis Colts are going to make more of an effort to get him the ball, especially in space. Like you saw that one long touchdown run that he had against uh, the Packers. It was just him. There was no one else around him. I think they're going to build on that with this week and try to get him the ball more in space because he's a lot faster than he looks for his big, long frame. I would probably tend to agree if not for the fact that Davis is just seeing readily more targets right now. I think that Pittman could see an increase, but the Colts have not really fed him the ball in the way that I would expect a guy that that is that talented to do. And I would expect maybe at some point they'll figure that out, especially going into the playoffs, but they haven't quite yet. Whereas Corey Davis right now has played extremely well. He's been extremely consistent and he's playing for a contract. I think he is up at the end of this year and he will be off of his rookie deal, which I don't know with the amount of money that Tennessee is committed to Ryan Tannehill, to Derrick Henry, um, and several other places, and with the cap number going down, whether or not he's going to be able to re-sign with them. Although free agency is going to be an absolute crapshoot this year, given that the cap is downgrading uh, by about $10 million, I think. And the fact that you're going to have so many big-name free agents out on the market, I think you could have a lot of guys signing for sweetheart deals for a lot of different teams. And so it might be a fun free agency season on that end. Uh, but that's an aside. Getting back to this game here for a second, I guess the only way I see Tennessee possibly beating the Colts is if Derrick Henry can beat up on that Colts D. And specifically that front seven, Darius Leonard is an absolute beast, as well as DeForest Buckner. Do you see Derrick Henry getting over 100 yards and beating this Colts defense to allow the Titans to have a shot? You know, I think if there's one running back that can do it against this Indianapolis Colts rush defense, it is Derrick Henry. Indianapolis, so far, they gave up the fifth fewest points to the running back position, and they've only given up 100 yards rushing once. That 100-yard rusher was Derrick Henry. Uh, he would have had a pretty nice game if he would have had a touchdown. Like, he still had 14, you know, fantasy points, so he would have been up in the 20-point mark, and we wouldn't even 
really be talking about this right now. I think he does get in the end zone as well this weekend. So, yeah, I think Derrick Henry can get over 100 yards. Actually, I bet that he gets over 100 yards, and I'm banking on that he has a touchdown as well. As we said earlier in the week, we're getting the playoff King Henry coming up here, so I would expect them to give the, him the ball as many times as they need to in order to be able to win this game. I totally agree. Let's move to Raiders at Falcons. Julio is a game-time decision. They've already declared as much because, frankly, Julio plays through a lot of different stuff. So you're going to be with your fantasy lineup right up till game time. You're really going to have to monitor that one. I would expect him to go because it's Julio, but given what he was last week, I don't know how much of a factor he's going to be in this game. So take that with a grain of salt. The Falcons did terribly last week, and especially the last three quarters against the Saints. And the Raiders are coming off a moral win of sorts. This game is in Atlanta. So the Raiders did have to travel, but this is featuring two guys that have been pretty solid RB2s when they can get into the end zone. So who do you think might have the bigger game in this one, Todd Gurley or Josh Jacobs? You know, when I initially read this question and went to answer it, I felt like it was a no-brainer with Josh Jacobs. Uh, right now he is fourth in the NFL in rushing yards, and he's got nine touchdowns as well. But then you go down to Todd Gurley, and he's not that far down. Yes, he's below Kyler Murray, but he still has 610 yards rushing. I think that puts him just outside the top 10, but he also has nine touchdowns as well on about 30 fewer carries. So for me, I guess this question comes down to the receiving game. And for that reason, I'm going to take Josh Jacobs just because he's a little more involved in the receiving game than Todd Gurley is. But as running backs, these two are a lot closer than I think a lot of people, especially me, uh, realized. I think Atlanta's underrated against the run. As bad as their defense has been at times this year, their stats against the run really aren't that bad. And as a result, I would also flip this on the other side where the Raiders have given up a lot of points to running backs this year and a lot of touchdowns. We even go back last week against the Chiefs. The Chiefs put up five touchdowns. Three of them were on the ground. So I think this has the ability, I would say, if you had it at first glance, much in the way that you said it was, Josh Jacobs would be the guy that pops off for you. But I think there's a possibility that Todd Gurley ends up vulturing a couple of short touchdowns and ends up just scoring maybe a little bit more. So I think this is kind of 50-50. These are both guys that I have in my lineup for this weekend if I have them. This is also featuring two guys that have had kind of up and down seasons. They can win you your week or they can lose you your week. Matt Ryan and Derek Carr, Matt Ryan had a bad game last week. Derek Carr had probably his best game outside of the other time they played the Chiefs. If you had to start one of these guys this weekend, which one would it be? For me, this all comes down to if Julio is playing or not. Uh, the four games where Julio is either missed the entire game or had his game cut short, Matt Ryan is quarterback 26, 25, 27 and I think 28 when Julio's not around we need to start giving Derek Carr his credit he has 19 touchdowns so far this year and only three interceptions the biggest knack we had on Derek Carr was he was turning the ball over he's not doing that so far this year 
So I think even if Julio Jones is there, I'm going to take Derek Carr just because I think he's really, really figuring this offense out. I think John Gruden is really, really starting to figure out who Derek Carr really is. And I just think the Atlanta offense is just too dysfunctional for me to trust. So I would probably be starting Derek Carr. It's interesting. I'm not sure who I would go with out of this matchup. Matt Ryan traditionally has been the better guy. For me, it's always been not the turnovers with Derek Carr, but whether he's going to stretch the field and push it down the field. He's got a couple of guys that are really capable of doing that. Darren Waller is incredibly fast and a matchup nightmare. Henry Ruggs is obviously one of the fastest guys in the league, and I'm surprised they haven't tried to take more shots down the field toward him, given especially how much they run the football. A play-action pass to Henry Ruggs would seem to be like the easiest layup you would have in the world if you got into a second and short situation, but they just really haven't done it. But I think slowly John Gruden is turning this team into kind of what the the Tennessee Titans have been the last year and a half or so, a very heavy run team that play actions. And with Josh Jacobs actually playing better the last few weeks, now that he's actually gotten fewer touches, he's been a little bit more efficient. And now that they've been uh, giving the ball a little bit more to Devontae Booker. Uh, it's taken a little bit of the load off of Jacobs to be more efficient. I think I will agree with you and say Carr, but I'm not really sure which of these guys has an edge in my mind. Because even if Julio doesn't play, I think Olamide to Zacchaeus, if I pronounced that correct, because I've heard it about five different ways so far, and Calvin Ridley are capable of carrying this team a little bit, especially against a shaky pass defense for the Raiders but I think these guys if you had to stream one this might be an underrated heavy scoring game on Sunday and I I think this might be a fun one to watch in the red zone I think though for me it's like even if Julio is on the field and he's not having a productive day his presence opens so much more up so like for me I would need him on the field to have more trust in the Calvin Ridley types I, I just need to know that Julio is playing or not. That's fair. I can completely agree with that. Let's move to the Chargers at the Bills. Austin Eckler is allegedly close. I'm not sure he's practicing this week. There have been kind of varied reports I've heard from different places, although I think I saw Adam Schefter say that he is likely not back this week yet, but he is on the precipice. So if you've been holding on to him this entire time and he's possibly a guy that you can have for your playoff lineup. You've been stashing him on IR. One guy in our league has, although um, let's say the commissioner did that before he even took over that team, Tim. And uh, you've been stashing him for this time. He is going to be an incredibly useful tool, particularly given how well Justin Herbert is playing right now. I would see him as a huge fantasy asset going into the playoffs if you're able to keep hold of him or have been able to keep him to this point if he is available this is your week to go out and get him before somebody else does because once he's back everybody's going to be clamoring to go get him all right for the bill side of thing john brown is not practicing today he's kind of a shaky start for sunday he's played through a lot of things through his career but i'm not seeing an upside of him playing this week So it's most likely going to be Cole Beasley again and Stephon Diggs. But given how much the Chargers defense has given up, 
I don't think that's going to be a particular problem. I mean, they were giving up points against the Jets last weekend. So let's play a little bit of Dynasty Rather. We have the up-and-coming rookie versus the really hot young quarterback who's been comfortably in the top five all season. If you were to start a Dynasty team right now, are you taking Josh Allen or Justin Herbert? I want to say Josh Allen because of his ability to run the ball. But for me, I think I'm still going Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is less than 200 yards in passing yards behind Josh Allen. He has one more touchdown thrown and he has one less interception. The maturity of this kid is something that I'm super impressed by as well. And then just the targets that he has inherited, I think are better than the targets that Josh Allen has. I would argue that Keenan Allen is better than Stefan Diggs. And then Mike Williams is better than whoever the two is in Buffalo. And Hunter Henry is probably better. I'm, the name of the Buffalo tight end is escaping me right now, but I'd much well, rather it's have. it's been a rotation of guys. Dawson Knox right. is probably the top That's one. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, Dawson Knox. So uh, those are the reasons that I would take Justin Herbert. Agreed on all points. I, I simply think the surrounding cast and the conditions – I mean, Josh Allen is likely to be playing in cold, snowy temperatures at some point in his career, whereas Justin Herbert's likely to be playing a lot of games in division in very warm conditions. And Well, save for the game in Denver and Kansas City, depending on what time of the year it is, but he's going to play in the Dome for most of his career, and I just really like the targets that he's throwing to right now. He's also going to have Eckler there at some point. So you would think that he, with the surrounding cast and the uh, way he's played to this point, he's not really limited in his ability to run either. He just doesn't make it a priority. It's not a run-first passer in the same way that Josh Allen was earlier in his career. So give me Herbert, who is very much proven that he can light it up. And I I think especially until that defense improves, he's going to have to have a lot of garbage time touchdowns to compete. And a lot is going to be falling on his shoulders, whereas Josh Allen's also playing on a little bit better team. So I give a slight edge to Justin Herbert moving forward, but we're splitting hairs a little bit. I, I think you'd take either of these guys if you were starting a team. Now, we also have a guy that has had a really big year who got traded to Buffalo and Stephon Diggs, who's been a target monster, who's been a receiver most of the season, versus the guy who, once he's really developed that relationship with Justin Herbert, and we saw it in spectacular fashion last week with the amount of targets. I think he had, what, 16 catches in that game against the Jets. Keenan Allen, which of these guys do you expect to have the bigger game on Sunday? Both of the defenses that they're going to be going up against are about the same. They're both pretty decent against opposing wide receivers. So then the question really came down to who would I much rather have? And like I said earlier, I'd much rather have Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is having a very, very good year. I don't know if you could call it a career year because he's been doing this for so long. But these two are some of the, having some of the best years that wide receivers have had in the NFL. Um, so far they're one and two in receptions. Keenan Allen has 81. Stefan Diggs has 73, but Stefan Diggs has more yards and he's got 900 and Keenan Allen has 835 touchdowns. Keenan Allen has two more, but targets, he has about 10 more. 
what Keenan Allen has been doing with a rookie quarterback, I also think needs to be stated as well. It's not easy to go in with a guy that has never learned the offense before and to get on a rhythm with them right away. And that's what these guys have been able to do. We've kind of seen with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, they've kind of hit their peak, I guess, a little bit. Well, not really peak, but they've plateaued, I guess is the right word for it, a little bit. I still think Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert are climbing so far this year. So I would say Keenan Allen's going to have a bigger day. I'll try and make this very simple. I think both of these guys are wide receiver ones. And especially this week, I would say they're both wide receiver ones. But who is the guy more likely to see a higher level of volume? And right now, I would say that's Keenan Allen. Given the last couple of weeks of how things have shaped out, I will bank on the guy that's going to have a few more targets and a few more opportunities to do something with the football than even a guy that is probably on his level or pretty close, but isn't going to have the same level of opportunities. Let's go to the Giants at the Bengals. This one's kind of lost some luster. The Bengals are currently without uh, Joe Burrow for the rest of the season. Even the guy that filled in last week, Ryan Finley, is going to be out for this game. Uh, Well, I guess he's not out with an injury, but they are starting Brandon Allen now. Joe Mixon is on his second week of IR, and we just got, before we started taping, Gio Bernard is out of practice today with a concussion. We don't know what his status is going to be for Sunday, but given this is very similar to the timeline of DeAndre Swift last week, who had a midweek concussion situation, I would not expect him to go. So with that in mind, even though the Giants have been up and down, they've been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks, and their number one wide receiver has been Sterling Shepard. I know that the Bengals are playing in a very limited situation, but they also have one of the guys that we said was a lock to start in your lineups when Joe Burrow was healthy in T. Higgins. So if either of these guys are worthy of flex curiosity right now, which one do you think might have the better game? I'm going to go out on a limb and say neither one of them for me are worthy of flex curiosity. That being said, T. Higgins has been having an incredible year. He's still a rookie wide receiver, though, and he's now going to be with a quarterback that he's never played an NFL game with. That leaves a pretty easy decision in my mind for me um, about being Sterling Shepard. Um, he has his quarterback that he's been with for a year and a half now. They've kind of started to get a rhythm with each other, but it's still the Giants. You know, I don't feel good about either one of the answers for this question. (laughs) If I were to take either one of these guys, it would be Sterling Shepard. But I will say in this regard, uh, two things. One, when it comes to situations of uncertainty, specifically, we're in the last two weeks of the regular season. We're going to be in the playoffs here. I want to see it first before I'm willing to bank on it, because this is when all of these decisions weigh the heaviest. So with T Higgins, especially because some of the teams that may be using him might have a buy or have locked up a playoff spot already, you can afford to sit him for a week and see how that works out as opposed to the other way around where you're costing yourself points potentially by putting him in. I have liked what I've seen from Sterling Shepard particularly given that Daniel Jones has been playing a little bit better. And this is a really good matchup. But I'll say this on this front. In the one redraft league that I have, I have Terry McLaurin, 
Robert Woods, Mike Williams, Sterling Shepard, and Michael Pittman Jr. And I am starting Robert Woods, and I am starting Terry McLaurin this week. I am also not even putting him into the flex consideration, although that has a little bit more to do with the fact that I have a really deep bench of running backs on that team. I would very much consider Shepard if he's kind of in that wide receiver three territory, maybe your first or second flex, but that's about as far as I'm willing to go. And it's simply because he's been the top wide receiver for the Giants now that they've had this resurgence and that Daniel Jones is playing better. You also kind of like the matchup. So if you're going to pick somebody out of this game, he might be one guy to consider. Another guy that we were going to talk about here, but it's kind of lost a little bit of luster comparatively with Bernard being out. I like Wayne Gallman in this matchup as well. He's produced a lot lately, and it doesn't seem to me that the Giants are going to give many opportunities to anybody else that's going to be on the field, especially with Devontae Freeman still being on IR for them as well. Let's go to the game of your week, Panthers at Vikings. Currently, we do not know what the status of Adam Thielen is going to be for Sunday. He is currently on the COVID list. He was put there on Monday. We don't have any better information. We don't know whether he tested positive, although there is a report he tested positive than tested negative, so it might be a false positive, but he still needs five consecutive days of negative testing in order to be eligible, which would put him possibly on either Saturday morning or Sunday morning, so he's likely to miss all of practice. That being said, given he's a veteran, he's a guy who's maybe 31, He's not a guy I'm worried about practicing and being able to go. He was wide receiver one last week. He was the number three overall player for flex consideration from last week. He is a guy that if he is able to go on Sunday, I am definitely having in my lineup. That being said, this is something that we've preached a bit, and especially this year. And with the playoffs coming up, I feel a need to repeat this again. If you have a guy that is going to be a game time decision, so Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, uh, maybe if Christian McCaffrey were a little bit more certain and he's doubtful for this week, put them in your flex position because it offers you more versatility if it goes the opposite way. So if Adam Thielen is out for this game, now you can replace him with a running back or a tight end or somebody else that has a little bit more versatility than putting him in your wide receiver slot, and now you're limited to only a receivers. It's a small gaming of the system, and I don't think enough people know how to do that. It's just some advice that I'm providing you ahead of time. As we said, Christian McCaffrey is doubtful again for this game. We still don't have a solid timetable on him yet. However, it seems like Teddy Bridgewater, because he is off the injury list, is going to play. Apparently he was cleared last week, but they held him out on a coach's decision. So if Adam Thielen is not able to go for this game, we do have another solid wide receiver in Minnesota who has been producing at a huge level. Justin Jefferson as a rookie, possibly setting records all over the place as a rookie wide receiver. Would he be a solid wide receiver too for you, especially if Adam Thielen is not there? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I, You kind of want to talk yourself out of it just because he's never in this, been in this type of position before, but I feel like you have to trust the talent. 
You also have a running back in Dalvin Cook that the defenses are going to be focused on as well. And you have a competent enough quarterback in Kirk Cousins where he can get the ball to Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, I for sure think that Justin Jefferson is a top 20 wide receiver this week with Adam Thielen out. Now, another antagonist of your season, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the week, is DJ Moore. You have yet to start him on one of his big weeks, and he's been highly unpredictable. But last year, he was an absolute stud. And at times this year, he has played like it. We just have not been able to predict when it's going to happen. So let's just play another fantasy rather, or a dynasty rather, if you will. If you had to start a team right now, would you rather have Justin Jefferson or DJ Moore? I've been thinking about this question all fucking day long, and I don't know the answer to it. So I'm going to let everybody else make the decision, and then I'm going to let you go off on a tangent because you have Justin Jefferson, so you can answer this question as well. Um, Justin Jefferson, though, he's 21 years old. DJ Moore is 23 years old. So neither neither of them are (laughs) near the peak or the prime of their careers yet. They're each having, though, both identical types of years. Just one of them is doing a lot more with a lot less opportunities. DJ Moore has 46 receptions. Justin Jefferson has 45. Um, Yardage-wise, DJ Moore has 863. Justin Jefferson has 848. Touchdowns, they each have the same with four. The thing that I – what I said earlier, though, with opportunities, DJ Moore has 80 targets. Justin Jefferson only has 59. You know, he's doing a lot more with a lot less, not a lot more, but he's doing just as much with a lot less. You know, I don't want to give up on DJ Moore um, just because we've seen what he can do. And I, for me, I think a lot of it comes down to the offense. And I think, too, a lot of it comes down to Christian McCaffrey not being there, having that person that defenses have to focus on opens up so much more. So if you were to offer me a trade for Justin Jefferson for DJ Moore, straight up, I don't know, man. I'd I'd, I'd feel decent either way, you know, because you're getting a really good player either way. But I don't know. I really, I really don't know. I guess I'll take DJ Moore just because he's on my team, and I don't want to give you the benefit of the doubt because you have Justin Jefferson. But how do you feel about it? So originally I drafted Justin Jefferson, and I don't think I made it much of a secret that I thought he was basically my Adam Thielen insurance or replacement when he eventually kind of declines because he's getting into his elder years. Right. You didn't expect this type of year from him no, as a rookie. No, certainly no. not. I don't think yeah. anybody did. No. But no. you look at the comparables to DJ Moore and Justin Jefferson, I think it's very similar DJ Moore was producing a lot when he had a very significant fantasy running back running behind him that opened things up and allowed for him to do space. Neither of them has had great starting quarterbacks in their playing days ahead of them. They were even selected in the first round about the same uh, pick area, if you if you will. I think it's a coin toss if you're asking me, especially for what they produce this season. I think I might, because of the amount of explosive plays and the fact that Jefferson has done more with less, probably say him. And I think he also has a potentially higher ceiling because he's younger. He's got so much unexplored yet to what his game could be that that's more intriguing to me. 
But it's not to say that DJ Moore is not young or explosive or that he has a lot of potential still to go on him either. So I, I think it is kind of a coin toss. I just find it an interesting question in a game where these might be the top two guys that are producing on a wide receiver level for us this weekend in a game. I'm very curious to see how this kind of comes out. Yeah. I mean, between, I, it would have been really nice if Christian McCaffrey was healthy, you know, it would, it would have made the game even more exciting, but that's what I'm really looking forward to too, is watching these two wide receivers um, do their thing. But yeah, everything you said, I agree with a hundred percent. And I would, if I was in your position, if he was on your team, I would probably think the exact same way. Like, why would I want to trade this 21 year old for a 23 year old? I want to see what he can do. I want to see what he's capable of, but then, you know, you're talking about the other guy and he's only 20 fucking three, you know? So yeah, I, I don't, it is a coin flip for me. It is a coin flip. The one thing I'll say is, is since we've seen a huge season out of DJ Moore already, and yes, he's produced this year, but it's not quite to the same level. It might be that we've established what DJ Moore's ceiling could be. Whereas I have a little bit more uncertainty of what Jefferson's ceiling could be since he's never even finished a full season. Does that, is that makes making any sense? I guess that's where my head would be at. All right. The other question I have, and I think this is just an interesting situation. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey versus Delvin Cook and how fun that would be, given how well Delvin has played this year as basically the fantasy MVP to this point and the absolutely ridiculous season that Christian McCaffrey had last season. Going into the year, Christian McCaffrey was without a doubt the number one pick in every single league that was drafting or doing anything or auctioning, whatever. He was the most coveted guy in fantasy. But I would venture to say that Delvin has a new contract. He's going to be playing in a run-heavy offense with the Vikings for the foreseeable future. And despite his injury history, he's stayed relatively healthy this year. He's only missed really a game and a half, more or less. So if you were starting a dynasty league from scratch again, and I know I've done this a lot today, but I think this is an interesting question for how we do the show. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook to start your team? Everyone knows I'm a Dalvin Cook owner, but I'm not an idiot. Like for me, it's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he, Christian McCaffrey would be the number one running back in fantasy again this year if he was healthy the entire year. I think the lowest game that he had in the three games that he's played is like 22 points or 20 points like that. I think he's only played three games and he's still like running back 32 or something like that. That's, that's incredible. Um, what Christian McCaffrey does out of the backfield receiving and just rushing is really else in the league can do. And it's, it's frustrating for me because the draft that we had with Christian McCaffrey, with Dalvin cook, with Leonard Fournette, with Joe Mixon, I had two of the first four picks. And I took Dalvin and Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey went fourth for for our draft that year. So it's it's funny how fantasy has a way of working itself out. But for me, it's Christian McCaffrey. I think this is a lot closer than it was a couple of months ago. But I'm going to say McCaffrey, too. And it's just because we know how high the highs can be. Delvin has been absolutely balling out, but when you're talking about PPR value and all of the rest of that, McCaffrey is just an absolute scoring machine. 
And I don't think even at his height, Delvin's ever going to be the pass catcher that McCaffrey is. It, it's really that simple. It, it's a statistical value. And that's unfortunate, I guess, if you're splitting hairs between the two. But I think this is 1A and 1B, more or less, if you're if it, you're ranking dynasty players right now. Listen, I love Dalvin Cook. I loved him at Florida State. Um, I was bummed that he went to the Vikings. I wanted the Packers to get him, and I love him more than any Packer probably should. But you're absolutely right. Like Christian McCaffrey would catch circles around Dalvin Cook. So I think that's just where the value for Christian McCaffrey just can't be matched. And I don't think that's a knock on Delvin no. or any other running back. It's, it's simply that McCaffrey for, is yep. like a receiver that we've never seen in a running back's body. And it's something to behold. I really have missed being able to talk about him this year. And even though he doesn't play for either of our teams, football is just more fun when he's out there. Absolutely. Let's go to the Cardinals at the Patriots. This game would have been much more fun last season, but unfortunately the Patriots are now in a different era. Some doubt for Kyler's shoulder on this one. I know you and I were talking about a little bit ahead of this taping, more or less. I think I would be a little bit more concerned, not just whether Kyler plays or not, but how effective he's going to be, because it is his throwing shoulder. And I think there is some concern I have for him, maybe not necessarily into the fantasy playoffs for the next maybe couple of weeks, which is okay for you because other than this week, you should have more or less two bye weeks, Uh, one actual bye week, and then you're playing somebody that is pretty well out of it by this point next week. But are you concerned about Kyler's shoulder going into the playoffs? Um, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, I have from a pretty good, reliable physical therapist source, AKA my wife, um, just from everything that I've read and told her, she thinks that he should. And his quotes today also in practice were that he felt fine as well. So I'm not too worried about Kyler's shoulder. I think you're more worried about it than I am. Rex Burkhead did tweet out that he will be back again stronger next year. So by that, most people are basically assuming that he is out for the season as we feared the other day when we did the show. But we have two backfields that have a lot of similarities and uncertainties going into it. We have two guys that have been heavily used in the run game, but haven't been featured pretty much at all most of the year, save for last week for Kenyon Drake in the passing game. So in this game, given all of the things that we've seen, are you taking Damian Harris or Kenyon Drake? Now note Kenyon Drake was drafted as an RB one early in the year. I think I'm taking Kenyon Drake and I think it has everything to do with the emergence of Chase Edmonds. I think the emergence of Chase Edmonds has just opened up a whole lot more for Kenyon Drake He's not the workhorse. He's kind of just getting his carries and now he's making the most out of them because he's a, he's a different runner than Chase Edmonds is. And as a defender, it's tough to see another running back come into the game. That's arguably better or just as good. And, but he does things differently. Um, So for me, it's Kenyon Drake. I think this is a coin toss for the rest of the year. And going into next year, I have no clue. These are neither guy that I feel 
particularly great about for next season. For the rest of this season, I, I really do think it's a coin toss. I who which of these two guys has maybe a better schedule, has more likelihood to get into the end zone. That's where my money would lie. But I think you could very easily stick one of these guys into your flex spots, depending on what the matchup is per week, and get enough productivity in uh, playoff categories this year in order to make them viable. But I don't think your week is being won or lost on either of these guys. Now, I found this a little bit interesting. There's a player featured in this game who I'm not particularly high on, but you've seemed to kind of come back around on him in the last few weeks, a lot higher than I have myself. So I guess I'm going to ask you, because this came up when we were talking about the trade deadline a couple of weeks ago, what are your thoughts on Christian Kirk and why have you suddenly become enamored with him again? I know he was a guy that you were high on when he was younger and when Nuke was not there, even before Kyler was there, to be honest. But given that those two guys are now around, what are your feelings on his long-term future as a dynasty prospect? Well, the thing with Christian Kirk, he's still really young too. I think he's 23, 24 years old, and this is his third year in the league. Um, but yeah, we were talking about it because I had the opportunity to move Christian Kirk to get a top tight end to kind of round out my team this year. And for some reason, I just couldn't pull the trigger on Christian trading Christian Kirk. And a lot of people might be like, well, that's really weird. You have Nuke Hopkins there and you even have Larry Fitzgerald there as well. Um, but the thought of having him, Nuke Hopkins and Kyler Murray together, I feel is just something that you can't pass up and they can both survive together as well. Um, over the last six games, these are the averages for Christian Kirk. He's got 4.2 receptions. He's getting about 6.3 targets per game, 66.8 yards and 0.8 touchdowns um, over the last six games. So that would put him at wide receiver 15. Nuke would then still be sitting at wide receiver 14. Um, and I don't even think he's had two duds too the last two weeks. Like I've started him the last two weeks. Trust me, they've been they've been dud games. Um, and I don't even think they were great games for Kyler Murray. And I won't know, especially last week was not a great game for any of the Cardinals. So I just think this is one of those situations where it reminds me a lot of Julio and Kelvin Ridley. Christian Kirk is is an exceptional route runner, and in this league separation means more than speed. We see that right now with Henry Ruggs. I know he's still trying to figure things out, but he's really, really fast, but he's not separating like you need to in the NFL. Christian Kirk is really, really good at separating um, away from corners and away from safeties. So yeah, it just kind of reminds me of the Falcons wide receiver setup twice, you know, with Roddy White and now with um, Calvin Ridley. I think they can be successful like that. So, yeah, I'm decently high on Christian Kirk. If you want to know my thoughts on Christian Kirk, please email us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. <laughs> we'll move quickly along in the show, though, in order for the interests of time. Dolphins at Jets. This isn't a game I want to spend a ton of time on, partially because Miles Gaskin is not yet ready to return. Savan Ahmed, who had that huge game a couple of weeks ago, sat out practice today. We don't know what his status is going to be for Sunday. You might keep a monitor on Matt Breida, who at times has been a decent fantasy running back. 
However, it was only when he was with the 49ers. We have yet to really see him be featured for the Dolphins. Tua got knocked out of the game last week, not by injury, but just out of bad play. But he is starting again this week. Preston Williams and LaMichael Pirine are still on IR. And this game is featuring a couple of wide receivers who have had big games at different points in the season, but have also had different games where they've been completely underwhelming. So if you were to pick a guy from this game, just quickly, Devontae Parker or Jamison Crowder to start for you? I'm going to go with Devontae Parker just because he's on a better team with a better quarterback. Great analysis right there. Probably as much as this game deserves. Now, the only other question I have for this is partly because your interest and your advice on Denzel Mims went significantly exponentially higher the minute that he got added to your team. Give us your expanded thoughts of him. Is it simply a matter of confirmation bias that I picked him up, so now I'm trying to convince myself he's going to be good? Or do you really have something to give? Because I don't remember you being this high on him coming out of the draft. Well, before the new owner of the team that dropped him dropped him, I was preparing to make a couple of trade offers for him. Um, I wasn't huge on talking about him because I didn't really want to bet against myself. So then when I saw that he was dropped, it was like, me, a six-year-old kid on Christmas morning, I couldn't freaking believe it. Um, I really don't understand why you would drop somebody like Denzel Mims. Dude ran a 4.384, vertical leap 38 inches, um, 20-yard shuttle was 4.4, which is really, really quick. He is somebody that you're going to have to just wait on, though. We're not going to expect a lot of him this year. He's going to have a different quarterback next year. He's going to have a different um, coach next year, a different offense. But you cannot argue what you see on tape either. Uh, the one grab, who did he play last week? I oh, forgot who he was. Yes, it was against the Chargers. He had one grab on the sideline against the Chargers that really made me just solidify, like, yeah, this guy is going to be a stud. You get the proper things around him like a quarterback and a competent coach, like I'm not even saying good, just competent. I feel like the sky's the limit for Denzel Mims. Um, You were a lot higher on him post-draft than I was. Um, I was probably even a little bit negative on him, but it had more to do with his landing spot than anything with him going to the Jets. But now as the season has progressed and knowing that they're going to have new everything next year, I just think the sky's the limit for the kid. Again, I think we have some bigger games to cover, but if you want my Denzel Mims take, I will specifically do it, but please send us an email. Give us something a little quick. Get a little quick. You can do something quick. I'm a little bummed. I think he has produced a lot with bad quarterback play. He had a lot of production at Baylor with bad quarterback play, and in a different system next year, playing behind Allen Robinson, he might really shine. So who knows? exactly what is going to happen with this Jets team, what they're going to have at coach, what they're going to end up with a pick as far as that goes, whether they're going to be one or two, but they're likely to take a quarterback very early on in this draft. And he was a guy that I thought would have a great opportunity because he was likely to be the number one guy on the outside for that team. So part of it was, is I was higher on him to produce as a rookie. He's not had that opportunity because of injuries. So will go from that and hope that he turns into that. I think he has the athletic ability. We'll see what the circumstances are around him in a t- 
terribly dysfunctional organization. Let's go to the Browns at the Jaguars. Again, this isn't a game I want to spend a ton of time on. The Jaguars are having a lot of issues. They have one win on the season. Frankly, even that win is inexplicable, given that it was opening week, it was a comeback win, and it was against the Colts, of all people. But Gardner Minshew is not yet ready to come back. He may be the backup this week, but they are sitting Jake Luton, who had a good game a couple of weeks ago and looked terrible against the Steelers last week. Veteran backup Mike Lennon is in as the starter. The only big questionable for injury-wise is LaVishka Chenault is currently questionable, but he hasn't really been producing since Gardner Minshew was out. The Jaguars constantly are giving up yards on the ground, so with Nick Chubb being back, having two consecutive 100-yard days and ripping off some big runs, including that absolute uh, smashing run last week where he just stiff-armed a guy to the face— uh, over or under 120 rushing yards for Nick Chubb this week? I am going to take the under just because, one, 120 yards is incredibly hard to get in the NFL. But, two, yes, Jacksonville, they give up the six most points to um, to opposing running backs, but they've only given up over 100 yards twice, and only one of those was over 120 yards. It was 150 that amazing week that Joe Mixon had, and we haven't seen him since. So, no, I'm going to go under for 120 yards. Nick Chubb has produced 110 and 114 yards in the first two games against much stiffer competition. If you remember back, my long shot of the week when I picked DeAndre Swift to have that breakout game was against the Jaguars. And I like for Nick Chubb to go over 120 in this game. It was part of the reason that I even asked this question, because I like for him to go over 120, and I like for Kareem Hunt to have a pretty big day as well. Which is probably leading into my other question. Given where these two running backs have been this year, they both featured as top 10 running backs for the season. Do you expect James Robinson or Kareem Hunt to have the better game? I was I was thinking James Robinson just because he's a bigger part of that offense, um, just more involved, and there's not anyone else eating out of his carries. But now I'm interested to hear why you think Kareem Hunt. I think James Robinson has a good opportunity, but I think significantly he is hurt by the fact that they don't have much of a passing game right now, and his passing game numbers have steadily declined over the last three, four weeks. I think as the season has progressed and he's had to take a lot more carries on his body, it is quite clear that he's never had to produce this amount of workload for an entire season. Whereas Kareem Hunt is a former rushing champion, I also think that the Browns are going to basically hand off to Chubb, hand off to Chubb, hand off to Hunt, hand off to Hunt, throw the ball to Hunt, give the ball to Chubb, and give the ball to Chubb. And it's specifically because as long as you keep the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands, you have a chance of actually winning the game. So with that and the fact that they're in a really productive matchup, give me Kareem Hunt, even though I really like James Robinson, and it seems like we're down on him somehow in every question I ask about him each week. But I think this is an interesting question because of exactly what you identified, that he's the solo running back against a Browns defense that hasn't been the best. They're probably in the mid-tier against running backs this year. I just think that Kareem Hunt is going to produce a little bit more. Saints at Broncos is our next game. No big injury notes in this one. Is this a kind of sneaky game? I know Denver, the last couple of times they played at home, they've kind of snuck out some wins. 
They played really well against the Patriots. I think that game was at home. They pulled out that late win against the Chargers up in Denver. And then they had that kind of inexplicable game against Miami last week. They're playing ugly and just well enough to win at home against a more or less dominant Saints team that's ripped off, I think, seven in a row. I guess if I were to have some advice... Sit your Denver running backs this week because unless they're going to be producing in the passing game, I just don't expect them to have big weeks. And we kind of got a opposite situation from the Saints running backs last week. Or Alvin Kamara is the top receiver for that Saints team right now, partly because Michael Thomas has missed so much time, but also because he's had to be the feature guy with how little they've thrown the ball down the field. However, Last week, we saw Michael Thomas have double-digit targets and Alvin Kamara not get a single catch. So, given that Kamara is the leading receiver this year, Michael Thomas was last year, and where their teams are currently at with Taysom Hill starting, who do you expect to have more catches this week, Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas? I'm going to say Michael Thomas, and it just has everything to do with just exactly what we saw last week. I don't think we've seen enough from Taysom Hill to know what his tendencies are. So I'm just going to go Michael Thomas just because the, the, he just had so many more um, targets than Kamara did. I think this is a case of them designing the game plan a little bit more for Michael Thomas to get him involved for when they're going to need him for a playoff push. And so as a result, they know what they have from Kamara. They want to limit his amount of touches, save him for the playoffs work Michael Thomas back in. I would expect him to have more catches this week in this game. This is also featuring two guys that were kind of in the mid-tier drafted at tight end, guys that had good opening weeks but have really faded off either due to injury or quarterback changes or the offense not being centered around them. These are still two guys that could produce for you down the stretch. Right now in this game, do you expect Jared Cook or Noah Fant to have the bigger game? Jared Cook had one catch, I think, last week. Um, Noah Fant still hasn't been amazing, and it has a lot to do with the quarterback play that he's been receiving and with his injury as well that he's been dealing with. You know, for me, this is kind of like throwing a dart at a board. I'm going to take Noah Fant. I probably would as well because I think part of his issue has been injury as opposed to something else. And thus, if he were to get healthy, he'd be the guy that I'd be most likely to see get a increase in targets or use in the offense. So that's where I would put my money on. But if you have, there are a lot of other options I would rather have this week than either of these guys. Let's go 49ers at Rams. Raheem Mostert is still on the IR, but we have possibilities for Debo Samuel and Tevin Coleman. There's also a possibility for Brandon Ayuk, who was placed on the COVID list last week, to be back. However, after the Rams showing out against the Buccaneers last weekend and how much they have really improved, I mean, they shut down the Seahawks two weeks ago, the Buccaneers last week. This Rams D is really proving they are legit. And some small advice just from Uncle Tom over here. Uh, that the Rams have a really favorable defensive schedule in the playoffs. If you have them available in your league, they are a good one to go pick up 
and stash right now for when they're going to have some much better matchups, even though the 49ers with as many injuries as that they have had uh, are probably as good a matchup as you'd probably want right now. So I would be sitting most of my Niners players this week if I could. I don't think we're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo back for this game either. And given where the Niners were at last season with their running backs, the fact that the Rams running backfield can be productive once they go with one of these guys, this is probably the opposite of how many we've been playing up to this point in this show. But Dynasty Rather, I will give you the opportunity to select any one 49er or Ram running back to start a team with. Who is it? Cam. Acres. I'm going to go Cam Akers. We all know how high, our, how high I was on him uh, pre-draft and everything like that. Um, I'm not there on Raheem Mostert. I'm really not. Um, and I think Cam Akers is also just the most talented Rams running back as well. For me, it's Cam Akers. I'm going to be... I'm going to completely agree with you, and it's simply that he's the most talented of any of these guys, most likely. He's also, due to the fact that the Rams haven't solidified their backfield situation yet, and they're still splitting carries between all of these guys, one of them has to emerge at some point. So until that situation is settled, I would go with the guy that's most likely to be the most talented player in an opportune situation. We'll make it very simple for the folks at home. But we also have two wide receivers for the Rams that put up huge nights on Monday night against the Buccaneers defense, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Do you expect either of them to have a big game? And if so, which one would you bet on to have the bigger game? I'm going to bet on Cooper Cup. Not only having the bigger game, he's not only having the bigger game, but he's also having the bigger season. Um, he's got 91 targets compared to Robert Woods' 75. Really, the only thing Robert Woods is doing is he's scoring more touchdowns. Um, he has – how many of it here? Sorry, I lost my spot. He has three more touchdowns, so it's not a crazy amount, but it's still more. You know, Cooper Cup is an exceptional route runner, and he's showing that with his 64 receptions. He's also got 722 yards receiving. Um, I just think – Cooper Cup is Jared Goff's favorite target. Cooper Cup finds ways of getting open that other people can't. Uh, and I think for for that team, I feel like you have to scheme Robert Woods open a little bit more than Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup can get open because he's such an exceptional route runner. So for me, I'm just going to go Cooper Cup. I think he has a better game and he's been having a better season as well. Agreed, and we are limited on time. We've still got three games to go, but this is probably my game of the weekend. Chiefs at Buccaneers. Sammy Watkins has been limited in practice this week. He is slowly working his way back yet again this season, and we have one of the great quarterback matchups we're going to see this season, Brady versus Mahomes. Who do you expect to end up with more uh, touchdown passes this weekend, Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes? I'm going to think that we see the bad Tom Brady yet again this week. So I'm going to go Pat Mahomes. This one's a bit of a toss-up, but I'll take the guy who's had more passing touchdowns the last few years, the guy who doesn't have a bad game, and that's Pat Mahomes too. I'll just make it simple out there. I 
expect the Chiefs to win this game because I still think the Buccaneers are a little bit limited when they go up against really, really good teams. Now, this one has an over-under of 55.5 total points, and I do think this one could be very high scoring. Both teams have scored some very big numbers this season. Do you go over or under that point total? I saw that, and it looks really high for me. I'm going under, and it's not because I don't think Kansas City can score that much. From what I saw from Tampa Bay this last weekend, I don't have any real faith in that offense playing against another pretty decent defense. In order for them to reach this over, it would require both teams to likely score around 28 points apiece. And that's a really high number in a game that, while I think might be high scoring, that that I agree is very high. I will slightly take the under, even though the Chiefs can light it up like nobody else. All right, let's go to the Sunday night game, Bears at Packers. I don't think there are a ton of people interested in this one, partly because we're still not sure of the status of Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. They're both dealing with injuries. The last time we saw Nick Foles, he was being carted off the field. Mitchell Trubisky's had a hip issue for a couple of weeks. So it's possible that the Bears could be on their third string quarterback by the time we get to Sunday night. Given that Allen Robinson has been the only consistently good thing about the Bears offense pretty much the last three years, and he's going against one of the more underrated top quarterbacks in the league with Jair Alexander, can he be fantasy relevant this week with a bad thrower and still going in that matchup? I'm pretty positive Mitch Trubisky practiced today. Um, That being said, I have Allen Robinson on my team, and he is not coming off that bench, not even thinking about it. Jair Alexander is one of the top cornerbacks in this league. Look at what he's done to some of the best wide receivers so far this year. It's unbelievable. I expect Jair Alexander to be following around Allen Robinson because who else are you going to follow around? So, no, Allen Robinson is not being played by me for sure. The Packers don't often shadow They've played halves of the field with Kevin King and Jair Alexander, who both came back last week. That being said, this is a game that the Packers really need to win, and so I would expect them to do a few more things defensively than they would otherwise. He's not a guy that I'm starting with a whole lot of confidence, but I think he, based on his productivity and talent level, is a guy I'm at least considering flex-wise, depending on what my options are. History speaking, though, Allen Robinson does do pretty decent against the Packers. It's just Jair Alexander is having such a monster year this year. That's my only that's my only hold back. So. On the Packers side of things, Aaron Jones produced an OK week last week, partly because he fell into the end zone. He has not nearly been as prolific as he was last year or early on in this season before he got hurt. Aaron Rodgers has had a good year. He produced against a really good defense last week, but traditionally he has not been great against the Chicago Bears, who are having a pretty good decent year as a defense. So do you feel any confidence in any Packer not named Devontae Adams who basically rolls out of bed and gets 10 targets a week? Yeah, Devontae Adams makes you feel really, really good and really helps you sleep at night. Aaron Jones, we, we both thought he would regress, but I don't think either of us thought it would be this much. I still have confidence in him, but it's not like anything you had last year, even the first half of this year. With the Bears reeling, I really think the Packers need to put a marker down and say, this is ours now, especially in a game where they're currently getting eight and a half points. 
I, I think they really need to win this one to make that statement that they are one of the top teams in the league and that they're going to be at least a playoff contender, if not a Super Bowl contender. All right, last game of the week, Eagles at Seahawks. Excuse me, I got that backward. Seahawks at Eagles. Chris Karsten has been practicing this week and is on track to play after uh, Pete Carroll made a bold statement last week in saying that Chris Carson would be playing this week. So you have to assume that he was very close to playing last week on their Thursday night game. Had it maybe been on Sunday, he might have played. The Seahawks running back situation looked actually pretty decent with Carlos Hyde back there. Although you would give a degree of confidence in Chris Carson, if you have him, I might be very tempted to start him, even though the Eagles are better than average. It may be one of the few things they do well is run the football and stop the run, but that's about it this year. Zach Ertz has been practicing, but he is not yet expected back this week. He has not been activated off of IR, and Carson Wentz has been bad. We've said it many times on this show, but really so has the Seattle pass defense, with the exception being last week against Arizona. So if you had to bet on Carson Wentz continuing to be bad or the Seattle pass D being bad, which of those two are you banking on? I'm banking on Carson Wentz being bad, and I even think the Philadelphia coaching staff is starting to see that as well. Um, Doug Peterson himself said that we're going to be seeing um, a little bit more Jalen Hurts. Um, Carson Wentz has been really, really bad. I would tend to agree, and it's also partly the fact that we've seen the Eagles – or excuse me, we've seen the Seahawks improve on their pass defense last week to the point where I might give them a little bit more of a vote of confidence. We have not seen that with Carson Wentz that would give me any real confidence in the last you know half dozen weeks or so that says he is going to be anything but turnover prone and just make poor throws. That being said, he does have a direct impact on two fantasy relevant tight ends. Dallas Goddard had a big game last week. Richard Rodgers also scored a touchdown in that game that they were well behind against the Cleveland Browns. If you had to pick one of these two tight ends to start this weekend, because we know that the position is very bad, which of these two are you going with? I'm going Dallas Goddard. Richard Rodgers is very touchdown dependent. Um, Dallas Goddard, he's going to get his targets and yards. I don't think you're going to get that with Richard Rodgers. I would tend to agree. I think Rodgers is a little bit more touchdown dependent than Goddard, who is likely to get a few more targets. And so that would be where my money's at if I could go with that. Despite the fact that I think Rodgers might be a sneaky target, especially against that pass defense, to pick up some points and at least be fantasy relevant for the week. All right, let's get to underrated stud of the week. I have Will Fuller against Detroit on Thursday, that early game. We already said it's the Deshaun Watson show, and you'd like to pick his number one wide receiver. He is currently going outside the top 10 in rankings this week. I expect him to have a potentially top five week at the position. Who do you have? I'm going to go with Christian Kirk. A lot of it has to do with Stefan Gilmore. I'm going to be covering a lot of new Hopkins, and we also know that um, they like to take away the number one receiver. I think that just opens up a lot more for Christian Kirk this weekend. Interesting pick. Right on topic. Uh, we've already given our games of the week. I have the Chiefs at the Buccaneers. You had the Panthers at the Vikings. I actually have that as my upset of the week. The Panthers are currently getting four on the road at Minnesota. 
these teams uh, were in opposite directions last week. Apparently Vegas likes the Vikings to bounce back. I think the Panthers uh, on a given week could make the upset. And this is an interesting one to lay a few bucks on if you decide to do that. I'll take the Panthers plus four against the Vikings. Who do you have? I am going to take Detroit plus four against Houston in the Detroit Super Bowl. Um, you said it there set them yourself. This is a game that they get up for. Um, I also think it, it's going to be one of those, you know, fun Thanksgiving games. So I'm going to take Detroit for the upset. All right. Quickly to our league matchups preview. Tom Terrific is taking on Dynasty football team in a early playoff teams matchup. Big it's one. one of only two matchups this weekend featuring playoff teams against each other. This one could really have some big fantasy implications. We'll see this how this one shakes out. Currently, the projections have it within a point at the moment. But after Thursday's game, that could be significantly changed as both teams have a lot of guys going in that game. Akron Pros is playing dumpster fire. Akron Pros coming off of a very tough loss against LDH last week. Definitely needs a win to increase his playoff odds, although he is currently locked into that sixth and final spot in our league. New Boot Goofin has taken on Ed Winners. Let's just call it what it is, the lottery bowl of the week. King in the North is taking on Rogers Rabbits, who's clearly fallen on hard times this week, or I guess this year, not this week, but we're with you, buddy. Better luck next year. King in the North should easily win this one. But the other big game of the week, LDH is taking on Shad Dynasty. And given that Shad Dynasty had a historic loss last week to the last place team in the league, they're looking for a bounce back against one of the hottest teams in the league for what may end up giving the number one overall spot away if he were. So how do you feel going into this game, Shad Dynasty? Um, I wish I wasn't going against one of the hottest teams in our league right now. Um, I wish he didn't have one of my favorite wide receivers in Keenan Allen on his team. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd feel a whole lot better if I would have won last week. Let's just say that. <laughs> he has three wide receivers that have come out of your mouth during this show. Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, and Keenan Allen, who have all produced some pretty big weeks. And he's also still got Tyreek Hill. I mean... Imagine if he still had Dak, like, you know, he, he would be cooking. He I expect cooking. Tom Brady to still put up some decent points against the chiefs this week. And don't count out Melvin Gordon to have a couple of vulture touchdowns that put him into some decent territory, but LDH has been hot lately and I'm kind of pulling for him to be honest. Uh, I'm hoping that if I could pull out the win against dynasty football team, up that number one spot avoid most of the troubles to the championship game that might come that being said thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there really a thank you this is our thanksgiving episode we are getting very close to the playoffs we appreciate all of you uh this is an opportunity to say thanks and we've had so much fun producing this show for you this year we Love doing it, and we're just so grateful that you've stuck through it with all of us. Thank you to all of our league players out there, and have a great week, everybody. We will be back again next week to recap this weekend's action for you. Until then. Everybody wear a mask. Tune in to the best college team in the country, Marquette, tonight, and we'll talk to you next week. You know, UW is also playing. I think I'm going to put that one on. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.